Hello and welcome to another episode of the CBGS podcast brought to you by Aspen Weight, Mr. Armstrong and Mr. Weight. Mr. Weight, Mr. Armstrong, <laughs> that's you. Oh yes, and that's you, sir. What were you using? You okay, sir? Yes, thank you. Yeah, had a good week. Oh, we're into that already. Oh. <laughs> With no further ado, in he goes, like a frankfurter into a hot dog sausage. <laughs> Hey, that's not right, is it? <laughs> yeah. You can roll. tell this is live, can't you? Into yeah. a hot dog our, roll. Our well-scripted jokes. The <laughs> uh, idiot's got a joke as Gareth Price of Discovery Glass, but that, that, that's for later. <laughs> so um, the highlight of this week uh, was my trip to Dublin on uh, oh, Sunday yes. and Monday. Um, I have to say... Uh, what a beautiful city Dublin is, and also uh, how friendly actually the people are. So pretty much everyone that I spoke to, we ended up having a uh, very long conversation. So all the taxi drivers was like yap yap yap, mm-hmm. you know, the whole the whole way. We talked about everything, and in fact, at Brooks Timber, which was the, the business I went to see, uh, we even talked about Brexit, uh, which. Uh, I was a bit nervous about it. I did say to Mark, the MD, that I didn't really want to talk about it, but we actually had a very mature and uh, friendly conversation. Uh, even uh, even quite an interesting chat about the 1916 Rebellion. Uh, it was quite a major... The um, 1916 Rebellion? Irish Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Easter Rebellion. Uh, it was quite a big... Uh, shootout outside Brooks premises in 1916. Oh wow! And it was amazing. They actually had like a little museum of it there, and uh, mm. a book with a two-page letter from uh, the guy that was in charge of uh, the military in Dublin, uh, British forces, a guy called General Maxwell, who arguably is single-handedly most responsible for uh, the the whole succession of chaotic and ridiculous decisions the British government made which turned what started out as a minority protest into um, obviously Ireland leaving us completely as a separate country mm. so uh, they, they, they had a handwritten letter from General Maxwell in this book which they were very proud of two pages effectively what happened and it's interesting I actually asked them if they'd watched this and they had there's a series called Rebellion which I'd started watching I'm on about episode 10 mm. which starts in 1915 and it's all about the first uh, the first rising, which of course happened while the First World War was in progress. Uh, I just put this in the context: something like four hundred thousand Irish troops fought in the First World War. Mm. Uh, so while you know many of them were um, at the Somme, etc., then uh, uh, some of their countrymen were up to no mischief. So uh, <laughs> we obviously um, had to put several thousand troops back into Dublin to to, to deal with that. Um, and a little, little history lesson there for you guys. Mm. So um, uh, Maxwell then made a heinous mistake. Uh, so he he decided his infinite wisdom to shoot all the prisoners, including women. Uh, so the uh, this is the rebels. So mm. all the rebel prisoners were shot, oh, executed. And what happened is genuinely to start off with, it was a as I say, very much a minority thing. And when the um, the Sinn Féin people, or whatever they were, were arrested, people used to spit on them because mm. they were on our side. Mm. And, of course, after the uh, executions, p- public sympathy changed remarkably to sympathise with them. 
Um, and we just ended a whole series of very arrogant and stupid things. Mm. Um, and one of the things we talked about actually was the Queen's visit to Ireland uh, six years ago, where, as I said to the taxi driver, more people turned out than they would if she'd gone to Cornwall. Uh, quite an amazing reaction of the Irish people, mm. which I think, to me anyway, and it's not something people say, but uh, I think it, it just proved that the Irish people wanted self-rule they didn't want to be governed by our government they didn't want to leave the Queen if you know what I mean mm. and I think that there's a, there's, a, there's a bit of a sadness in that I very much noticed because um, I am a, a keen I'm a, I, love, I love Dublin because it was a Viking city as well oh, wow. so it was the capital of the Viking world oh. um, in fact Dub, Dublin is named after a, a Viking chief called Dub Dub yeah. Dub means pool by the way pool oh, it actually means Blackpool Oh. In, in, in Dublin means Blackpool actually. ah okay yeah okay. a lot of people know that so. mm. just to show my Gaelic far Chil- from Blackpool Chil Dub means black dog mm. yeah, mm. nice that's is, a, is there any end to my noise? I know no, no. It's, just, it's just endless yeah. endless sprouts seeing it everywhere yeah, so I think the taxi drivers were very um, they're also very I think they're very one of them said I'm really you know impressed you've taken the time to know all this stuff mm. you know mm. so that, that went down very well I personally thought there was a major shift in attitude from, say, 20, 30 years ago. I think that, that works on both sides. You know, I said to them, probably, uh, as, as, as the epitome of a British mongrel, me being everything you could be under the sun, <laughs> um, I said, if anything, I, I feel an underlying sadness at how the whole situation arose. Um, and one of the things that I watched on an, on an RTE, which is the Irish, um, Irish BBC, sort of effectively, programme last week actually was uh, someone someone actually made the very astute point that ethnically uh, pretty much all of us in the British Isles now are so mixed up blood wise because we've all been marrying each other you know Irish, Scottish, mm. Irish, Welsh blah 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 mm. that t- for anyone to say that I'm Irish I'm distinct from you Welsh is, is wrong mm. you know we're all just mixed up and I think one of the things I can see happening in the world, actually, being a bit deep, is that I, 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 and I said to the, um, I said to uh, the Irish people that, um, you know, don't don't sort of uh, get upset with me using the term Anglo-Saxon, but Anglo-Saxon tends to be used as reference to white, to white countries. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I said I, I, I feel very much that as the world's developing, that the white Anglo-Saxon countries are very much um, becoming almost like one. So I think because we have the same music, we watch the same programs. You know, so Canada, Australia, America, mm. Britain, Ireland, we're getting closer and closer. Mm. And it was quite funny to sit there in a, in a, in a cab. Two of the taxi drivers uh, I sat with supported Manchester United, <laughs> and um, we had a conversation about Gogglebox all the way to oh, the airport. Okay. You know, because yeah. that was the guy's favourite program. So Dub- Dublin was um, very interesting, uh, incredibly enjoyable meeting. Stayed in a wonderful hotel, although it was a bit chaotic. Mm. Um, thought the people were incredibly friendly. So uh, uh, I'm hoping that uh, I've already been introduced to Connaught Rugby as a result of um, going to Dublin. So that was that was really good. Um, apart from that, uh, lots of temperatures going on. Got, uh, had a uh, institute visit this week, which is never very nice. Um, although the lady concerned is is is, is um, as nice as one can be to do her job. Uh, fortunately, I've got Tom and Steve um, to do a lot of that for me. So thank you guys for all your help. Um, quite proud this week. Um, so I'm actually going to say something nice about Drew for once. Um, so Drew and uh, my boy Callum went to Discovery Glass in Tredegar. 
Uh, I've decided I'm going to rebrand as Tredegar as Tredegar. <laughs> like, how much better does that sound, Drew? Tredegar. Tredegar. No, Tredegar. 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 Yaha, the Hardys. <laughs> Yaha, we're in Tredegar. Yeah, we're in Tredegar. Do you think that's, that's Sounds good? like, yeah, yeah. Uh, even the people from Tredegar agreed with me. I yeah. said, you don't want to be called Tredegar anymore, mm. you bloody Welsh people. Tredegar. Tredegar. Sounds like, sounds like you're, you're I, I'm going to bring you guys up into the 22nd century, Tredegar. <laughs> so, um... Drew and Callum went to Trenagar on uh, Tuesday um, with a brief uh, of basically doing a complete business appraisal of uh, a business we're getting involved in called Discovery Glass. Lovely people, um, Gareth, Alan and Linda and Don. Uh, I thought uh, Alan, uh, amazing amazing chap for his age, Full of mischief still. Hmm. Um, Gareth, probably the worst joke teller ever in history. <laughs> uh, and young Linda, uh, wisdom well beyond her, her, her age. Um, it was very interesting to hear, uh, I went there yesterday, uh, to hear the feedback after Drew and Callum's visit. Uh, and in particular, they all thought that Callum and I were, were like puddings and peas. Yeah. Which was because I don't think Callum and I ever see ourselves mm, so much, you know. Mm, mm. Um, I thought it was very nice. Linda said to me she'd never met two more people persons, is what she said. Mm. We're both people persons. Mm. I thought that was mm. that was nice. So I feel um, especially proud of Drew and Callum at the moment. So long may it continue. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's about it. I think really. I think that's, I think that's about it. Really, old chap. Excellent. Um, preparing for some, lots of training days and. Uh, of course, it's my birthday next week, which is a bit sad because I'm a little bit closer to dying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a time for Push celebration. Push the keys, Although we did have a wonderful staff meeting this week, which Drew mm. missed. Oh yes, and, that um, was when we were in I, I, think, I think I've actually, I think I've, I've actually sort of worked out what the meaning of life is. Well, I think it is anyway. So this is what in I said. the staff meeting. This is what I said. <laughs> in the staff meeting. I said, I actually believe uh, that life, what life is all about, life is all about meeting people, mm. and even death to some extent. If so, the point about Callum is um, is well made. So, what, what if, you, if you did if you think about it, you know, what, if you think about um, people talk about uh, people's sort of basic imprints being left in buildings the walls of buildings and mm. some people think that's how ghosts arise mm, because mm, of that mm. you know um, so you know one of the things that you, you don't really ever you know ever really bank on is uh, I think as I said in the, the podcast last week that uh, Callum uh, has clearly soaked up a lot more of dad than mm. was obvious to me mm. and so to some extent um, whether I'm here or not becomes largely irrelevant because yeah, you live on, live, you live on through yeah. other people you touch, and I yeah. think I think that was the point I was trying to make in the staff meeting. You know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, everything is all about people, so people can be people can be as great or as poor as they want to be. And mm. um, we've had a few issues in the office this week. So as I also said, uh, no matter how great the opportunity, people can always mess mess everything up as well. Mm. So for, I think one thing I would say to listeners is. Um, it's very, very important that everyone realises how important people are. And the best way to deal with, with that, I think, is uh, by great communication. Communication, uh, so proper meetings, free discussion, those sort of things. Mm. Keeping on top of things. Because even the best friendships and um, 
and even love you know loving relationships can can wither and die through mm-hmm. failure to communicate properly you know mm-hmm. no it's a very good point it's a very good point thank you Drew mm-hmm. how nice mm-hmm. of you no yes yes sir did you did you have a um, a Guinness in in Dublin? No, I didn't. You didn't, uh, yeah. but you've had a you had a proper Dublin Guinness before. Yeah, very nice. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously, there it was quite funny. One of the taxi drivers was was very much um, well from your hotel. If you do so and so, you turn right, and there's there's a really nice part of Guinness. And then he'd say two minutes later, and I said to him, "Seems to be a bit of a theme developing here." <laughs> so his whole life obviously revolved around Guinness. Guinness. <laughs> Uh, a remarkably fine, fine brew, I have to say. Mm. I, I just, just, just as a, uh, I, don't, I don't think I put this in my in my first book. True story. The reason why I started drinking Guinness is um, I tend to drink quicker than people I drink with. That's true. Yeah. I'm a very good beer drinker, so I, I can drink sort of three and a half pints an hour forever. Yeah. You know, three gulps and it's down. Uh, no, I mean, it's, not, it's not quite as. It's, it's, no, it's be more, be more, more twenty. <laughs> it's not like that. Big city, no. Um, so um, I found that um, you know, let's say I'm drinking three and a half pints an hour, and someone else is drinking two and a half or whatever. Mm. You know, you end up potentially with minutes with nothing to drink. Yeah. So um, Guinness is a bit thicker, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I started drinking Guinness because it sort of created more of a level play field. Yeah. That's a true story, actually. Yeah, yeah. Alcoholics are us. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice pint. Well, I, th- I think... Um, are we going to go into the first track now? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, very interesting this week. So I was actually going to do it last week. and um, uh, So this week, we're actually going to play two, two tracks from the same artists... What is? Mm. Um, so it's a group called Shocking Blue... Um, who were a leading Dutch band in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, the first Dutch band to have number one in America, mm-hmm. Billboard 100, number one, with with actually the first track we're going to play today, which is called uh, Venus, which was later covered by Bananarama, very badly in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The whole essence of this great record is destroyed by Bananarama and their, their girly, we've got no talent, banterish sort of, rugby song approach to the song mm, mm. all the beautiful guitar and uh, 60s feel I think mm, disappears mm. you know when you hear the the track from Shocking Blue it's just got this love. I, I, I really I listen to it all the time I probably listen to it once a week at least it's such a brilliant track mm. uh, the lead singer is very famous in Holland uh, died of cancer in 2006 uh, very sadly missed her name is Maria and um, she's got a ma- massive shock of black hair very 60s makeup, you know. Um, I think on the first track we're playing today, it's not so obvious they're a Dutch band. I don't mm. know what you think from having heard it. Yes. I think you could just about think they're any 60s band, you yeah. know. Uh, when we play the second track later, I think it's it's more obvious that she's not English myself. Mm. Um, but it's a really, really cool, probably the epitome of the 60s in terms of great guitars and jangly and the look and the feel of it. So... Um, the first track we're playing today is by a band called Shocking Blue. We really are worth um, checking out and listening to some of their other stuff. Um, let's say Dutch band. Uh, I think it got to about number five in, in the UK. It's a number one, number one hit in, in America, and it's uh, Venus by Shocking Blue. Nice. And one thing to note with this track, listen to the production. For, for a 60s um, sounding track, it's, it's really, really well recorded. Um, hope you enjoy it. 
Well, what a groovy one that was. Groovy, man. Groovy, groovy. Yeah. Venus. And um, we're going to get... Brilliant, like a silver flame. Oh. Venus was her name. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Paul loves a bit of Venus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they we all. <laughs> we're going to get into the, um, the business side of the podcast now. Um, I think it's quite relevant, uh, seeing as there's been some meetings. You've been, you've had quite a few meetings lately with different um, opportunities um, for collaboration. Even business. external meetings, yeah. Uh, yeah, external meetings with uh, with with businesses. Okay. Um, and um, so, as Aspen waits um, and your skills pull, um, we often help SMEs that have fallen under hard times. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I want to know if there's some particular things that you see time and time again, like mistakes or common mm. causes for growing pains in SMEs. Right, gosh. So, so the question um, is, uh, what are the common reasons that can lead to business difficulties or something? Yes, yes. Um, right, so... So I, I've got a few to, to discuss with you as well. Um, do, you want, do, you want to, do you want to ask me first or you tell me? Or um, yeah, yeah, you go for, for, for some of your main ones. <laughs> Uh, just just uh, for, our, for our listeners' sake, uh, I never actually know what we're going to talk about, uh, which is probably obvious from the uh, banality that comes out of my mouth. Um, so I literally turn up, Drew gives me a cup of tea, and I go, what are we talking about, mate? <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, oh, we're talking about so-and-so. So the first and obvious one, uh, which, which is true of, of, of anything, so this would be true about if you wanted to be a tennis player, um, so failure to plan. Mm-hmm. Failure to plan uh, adequately, so um, I mean that's a that in itself is a huge subject. So I guess um, given you know we've only got limited time in a podcast, so so um, let's look at so I suppose we could look at it as well uh, and turn that around a bit and actually say let's why don't we do this? Why don't we think about why businesses fail? Yeah, and then so what? So what are the most common reasons for business failing? Yeah, so obviously the obviously one is they run out of money. Mm. Don't they? Yeah, that was the first one I was going yeah, to talk about. They like run out of cash. Rate. So why do people run out of money? So they run out of money probably because they haven't adequately adequately funded it. Mm. Mm. Um, so if we take um, uh, the business, you know, you and I have both been to see this week. Um, potentially great products, some leading edge stuff, um, and effectively the owner and creative genius sort of built up the intellectual property and then didn't have any working capital. If you like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Didn't have the working capital to really take the product to the market mm. the way that it needed to be. Um, so, so by that you mean <clears throat> he had all of the equipment and everything that he needed to to, to, um, to build his product but then couldn't uh, couldn't push that forward by buying in the materials? And yeah, 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 so he had... He had, he had um, so yeah, he'd invented the world's Brilliant. greatest hot hot dog. Yeah, but he couldn't afford to buy the meat. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect analogy yeah. for me there. So yeah, thank like, you. <laughs> you know what? You know, Mister Analogy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> synonymous with analogies, weighty is. Mm. Um, yeah. So uh, failure to plan. So businesses start uh, very very important. So we talked about a lot of this before. Um, so who am I? Who am I as a business owner? You know, what sort of person am I? Do I understand who I am? Am I risk averse? Am I risk seeking? Uh, what are my what are my personal skills? What are my deficiencies? 
probably most business owners I come across are operationally very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what that means is they understand their products and their industry probably very well. Then, for instance, Gareth that we went to see this week, he considers he has poor sales skills. Yeah, I would also add to that possibly inadequate business skills. Okay. No disrespect to you, Mr. Price. Mm. Um, so probably most business owners would lack general commercial stroke financial skills, in my opinion. Right, okay. Um, and as you've heard me say many times, um, nobody's had two lives. Mm. So unless you've you know had a... I mean, clearly, a lot of people who go on to be very successful have had failed businesses. Mm. Uh, and to some extent, there's no doubt that failure or near failure... Uh, creates, uh, you know. So in my case, you know, um, you know, I've probably tried just about everything. Anything that conceivably could happen to a business has happened to me. Mm. So it become it doesn't make you very wise in a funny sort of way. Yeah. So as long as you you you, you recover from it, yeah. then eventually it becomes a good thing because you you can see. I mean, so for instance, I'm very aware now that with you know some of these these new businesses we're getting involved in, I. I look like I'm a genius because, but but the fact is, at the same stage, I was doing exactly the same mm. mistakes mm. as them. So um, probably things like um, trying to do too much. Take the glass thing. You know, we probably need four or five good products. Mm. You know, to get out there mm. to generate some cash. Mm. Um, but these guys could do so many different things. They had so many different products. It's almost. Um, Yes, how how to push that out in the same way? It's not achievable. Well, I think yeah. So you, you know, you could, as as well as the, the planning, obviously you've got to be realistic. Yes. Um, so another thing, uh, I actually had a sort of a board meeting yesterday with one of my favourite clients. Uh, I probably shouldn't say who they are, but uh, to my friends in Clevedon, welcome. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, really, um, I think you're a really good, really good people are doing great stuff there. Um, so. Um, Oh, I've lost my train. Ah, oh, right. <laughs> yes, I was thinking. What was I going to say about them? Um, so, uh, one of the things I would I would point out with that business, which has how did I put it in the board meeting yesterday? I said, "You flew too close to the sun. You got burnt. Mm. You realised you did. You had to. You know, you've had taken two years to to recover from your burnt wings, mm. um, which they've done very well, to be fair. But if I had to be critical, um, one of the things that I don't approve of in this business um, is I think they take too much money out vis-a-vis what the company can afford. Right. Which comes back to my point about realism, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair to me, uh, as I think you know, is, is well documented in my book, uh, I started my business on August the 13th and I didn't actually receive any money until some like October the 28th. Mm. And that was £800. Mm. Um so you find even now I don't, I don't get paid anything like what I ought to be, mm. because my prime concern is is aspen weight cash flow. Yes, yes. So, so I think you know, I think you've got to be. So probably that also suggests things like being very business minded, mm. you know, realistic business minded, not spending what you don't have, mm. being really really focused. So resisting the temptation, for instance. So again, picking on um, our friends in Tredegar. Um, there's a great temptation, for instance, to turn around and say, well, you know, we're a bit of a best-kept secret, so if we spend loads of money on advertising and we put lots of adverts in lots of different trade journals, then everyone's going to buy our product. 
you know, and the orders are going to be so much it's going to make the advertising spends, you know, look look like a pimple on an elephant's bottom, you know. Mm. Uh, but of course, then there's a reality, isn't there? So. Uh, you mean it being able to keep up with the work that might come? Well, or? you know, no. I mean, is 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 that's all very that's all very well if it does happen, but also, of course, as we've discussed in previous episodes, there is a lead time between uh, any marketing and sales initiative and actually cash flow. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't recognise that, you know, you 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 could be like six months of advertising costs down before you even get any yeah any any revenue in. Yeah, you've got you've got to really take that into account in the planning stage when you're thinking about doing those things. I mean, to honestly, Drew, without you know, it, it, it is actually too big. It's far too big a subject to talk about. Probably even two hours. Okay, so because how about we keep this one as cash flow because I, I really see that as a as a massive um, massive issue. Um, uh, that uh, what, what I would like to know if if that's what you see in business is like what you just said about um, you you really. Um, your most important um, thought is to, is to keep the cash flow going in Aspen weight but a lot of companies take too much money out of their business or, or don't plan that properly like yeah. I saw a statistic that 80, 86% of businesses fail because of poor management of cash flow um, which is, seems like one of the biggest causes of, um, of these failures um, well it's always it's always, it's always um, you know uh, self self whatever isn't it you know um why would a business fail because it doesn't have any money yeah, it fail yeah. for other reason would it yeah. particularly you know <laughs> yeah so yes yeah, so I think yeah I think it would be quite useful what would be quite useful Drew is is perhaps to take the whole topic and then so for instance you know just just very quickly for today we, we, we'll, so we'll, we'll revisit these in later weeks so of course you've got things like you know people the people and making sure you've got the right people hmm. and then you know uh, things like accreditations marketing strategy Mm. Um, market research, all those sort of things. So focusing on cash flow, um, and cash flow itself is obviously a very, very big subject. So before anyone starts a business, they ought to do a cash flow forecast, which spins off the profit forecast, really. So um, in obviously, in order to do that in, in any meaningful manner, you have to understand uh, the market you're in quite well because there's no point doing a budget you know, that turns out to be wildly optimistic. Blue sky, as I would call it. Ah, okay. Call it blue sky budget. Blue sky yeah. budget. A blue sky budget is... You've got a blue sky budget there, sir. Yeah, blue sky. <laughs> no, so, so blue sky is, 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 as it suggests. So, I don't know, let's say, you know, realistically, uh, the, the, the sales are going to be 40 units, but the person says they're going to be 100. So that's mm. a blue sky budget, you know. Mm. Mm. Uh, and obviously doing a blue sky budget is, is incredibly dangerous, especially if you... Um, Make decisions around that, such as mm. employment decisions. Mm. So, you know, if you if you um, if you budget to uh, you do a hundred, so you, you 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 recruit more people than you need to to do that, then obviously it's gonna it's gonna come back to bite you. Uh, so I suppose uh, going back to this, it goes back to the whole planning thing. So you do a great business plan, you produce the, the most accurate and realistic profit forecast you can. In my own case. Uh, I remember very well uh, producing this cream business plan, which I thought was really cream. groovy. It was cream. <laughs> it was cream. That was I, 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 wish, I wish it wasn't true, but it was. Uh, a cream business plan, and uh, uh, my projected sales for Aspen Weight in the first year were 45,000. Um, I can't remember what I thought the profit was going to be. Not very much, probably. Probably 20 or something. Um, 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is, to be fair, it, it's quite hard because I think one of the things, again, we've talked about in previous episodes is, especially with a new business or a growing business, you're having to budget for what, for people you don't know. Mm. So if I haven't been in the council before and I'm setting up in August 1993, I can't say, oh, in, in, in three months' time I'm going to meet Bert, can I? Yeah, exactly. What you have to do is to say, uh, given, you know, given how good I am, say, and where I am, what would be a reasonable thing to expect me to be able to do? Mm-hmm. And, like, target businesses that you would go for, for like, target um, turnover of businesses. Well, that's obviously part of the, the plan, isn't yeah. it, as to how you're going to get your customers. Mm. So in my case, I, I budgeted to do 45,000, uh, and I actually turned over 78,534. Wow. And uh, my profit was actually bigger than my... My, ex- my expected turnover. So that wasn't a blue sky budget. That was a. That was a. That's what you. That's what you wanted to be, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was a. Well, realistic. really, you know. So this is this is this is um, yeah, it's part of the subject, but it's quite a specific point. And I always I always believe that um, budgeting is a really great skill. Uh, I can remember um, one year being extremely proud because I did a budget that was something like two hundred and fifty pounds out. In twenty-one million, <laughs> wow. well, well, phenomenally good, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I would say personally, I, I have a good business intuition. I think, which is, so, I think to be a good accountant, what you really need to do is, uh, and also a good business owner, you need to blend science and art together into a fusion. You know, mm. so you basically take your scientific and technical knowledge, and then you apply it intuitively. If wow. you know what I mean, mm. because because there is no there is no science that's going to tell you what your certain is going to be. You have to sit there and and make a judgment, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and um, actually, it's 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 so in a way, uh, you could argue that producing a budget that said I was going to do forty five, then do seventy eight, is actually from a intellectual point of view as dangerous as doing it the other way. Mm. Mm. Um, you know because. What so you think about um, and I, I say this all the time. So we, we take budgeting very seriously in Aspen Way. Have quite a thorough, thorough process uh, at the end of each year. And and and, and I, I I've often been heard saying to my management team and and perhaps my bank manager, for instance, that it's incredibly important that I, as the chief executive, tell people what I genuinely believe is going to happen, even if they laughed at me. Mm. Even if people don't believe what I'm going to say, mm. I have to do that because if I say, let's say, for instance, you know, I believe our turnover is 100 units now, and I say to everyone, I know this sounds a bit far fetched, but next year it's going to be 180 units. Mm. If I believe it's 180 units, and I don't tell people it's going to be 180 units, who's going to, you, you never, it, the, the turnover will never get to 180 units. Mm. Do you see what I mean? It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy mm. because, you know, what I've often I've often found actually, and this is a good point for um, people listening to this, in Aspen Waits' life, I've often actually realised that I actually don't know how big a firm we have because if you have good people and they're all working as hard as they can, there's only so much work they can do. Mm. You see what I mean? Mm. So you might have an extra hundred units of work, but you can't do it mm. because you haven't got the people to do it. Mm. Um, and to some extent, we, we have that at the moment in our R&D business where, uh, you know, we've worked out we've probably got something like £8 million of work. Mm. So in theory, I could probably double the workforce 
for a year. Yeah. But obviously, if we then didn't grow, mm. <laughs> we'd have too many people. But in yeah. the short term, they'd all be very busy. So mm. uh, realistic budgeting is incredibly important. So you should never have soft budgets. Equally, they've got to be attainable. So setting a an unrealistic budget, what do you think that would do? If you were in charge, say you were, say you were in charge of us, say say you, you know, which will happen one day. Mm-hmm. You're the managing director of Aspen Wake Media, mm-hmm. right? And I say to you, uh, so you think you can sell eighty, and I tell you that the budget is a hundred. What's it going to do to you? Make you uh, overspend, maybe, or, or well, like, no, I think, um, think, think it'll make you demotivated. Oh, okay. you'll, sit, you'll sit there and you'll think, I can't achieve that hundred. How can I? I can't achieve that hundred. You know, Weighty's telling me to do hundred, and I, I can only do eighty. Mm-hmm. So you're not on board, are you? Mm-hmm. You know. It's very, so it's very important uh, to come back, you know, one of the other things is, is, is obviously building a team and making sure the team's all on board. Mm. Uh, and as I often put it, everyone has to own it. Mm. You know, everyone has to own the budget. So you have to put enough to, you know, one of the things that comes out of the, the budgeting process is you would have, um, uh, you know, a capital spend need identified uh, straight away. And then obviously you have to find that capital. It can only come from two sources, it either comes from own own equity, which can include friends and whatever, or you borrow it. So it's you know it's basically either borrowed money or it's your money. Common, most commonly, a lot of small businesses sort of you find that the um, the starter sort of begs, steals, and borrows from friends and family. You know that's commonly the way they do. And um, just saying to Drew, it's, uh, that people notice yeah, this. We uh, it's amazing how, how quickly the time goes when we have our little Friday chat. So. I feel like uh, I'm sitting there with my best mate having a little chat on a <laughs> cosy fire, and then half an hour has gone by, and everyone's bored to death apart from us. We're still having a great time. So um, we're talking about uh, so you know, one one of the things. In fact, I said to um, Julie Oxbury, who's uh, my financial controller, earlier in the week, that um, how sad it was, how much business had changed in my lifetime. When I, I started off Aspen Wake with a £70,000 small firm's business loan. Uh, and I think it's almost certain that if I was starting today, uh, I would have to find a backer. Mm, for the same amount? Because the, de- the debt wouldn't be, you know, there wouldn't be the ability. Mm. Banks are closed. Mm. Um, the only other possibility would be probably some sort of... Um, some sort of capital linked to something like property, mm. you know, like my house. What about things like the Prince's Trust? Uh, like they, they, if you've got a good enough business plan, they put money into. Yeah, one of my best clients of all time actually started off with a Prince's Trust loan, but mm. you know, being realistic, this was five thousand pounds. We're not talking mm. about, yeah, you know, yeah. the earth here. Um, so, uh, so, so as not to take up too much of your time on a Friday, mm-hmm. so trying to whiz through this cash flow thing. So. Um, you've got the, um, the, the identifying how much money you need, and obviously, if, if you if you don't do that properly, then you, you're 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 on borrowed time. You're going to fail. Mm. So the business needs fifty grand. You only put thirty in. It's only one thing can happen. I can assure you. Um, very important that from day one, um, there is a financial model that can work. So if we look at it, typically, um, most people left their own devices uh, will just operate a normal bank account. Uh, people probably would prefer to have a bank overdraft. Bank overdrafts are not really flavour of the month with banks anymore. So banks don't openly, you know, encourage one to have an overdraft. I'm personally um, a big fan of factoring, mm-hmm. which is where... Do you know what factoring is? Um, no. 
I think it was honest. Um, so obviously you um, you sell products to your customers, yeah, and if they're on credit terms, they're not paying you cash. Mm-hmm. They will then so you make guitars. You sell me a guitar for a hundred units. I owe you a hundred units. Mm-hmm. Um, you might say to me, uh, my terms are you've got sixty days to pay that, Mister Wait. Mm-hmm. So I, I, so in theory, in sixty days' time, I will pay you a hundred units. Mm-hmm. Now, um, if you think about, let's say that that guitar cost you 30 units to make. Mm-hmm. And let's say you made 10 units a month. So each month, your cost of production is 10 times 30. 300. Yeah. But <laughs> if, if it was a new business, your, your first cash isn't coming into month three, is it? Mm. You see? Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, so um, conventionally, what people would do is um, they would, they would, they would um, probably have a bank overdraft for that. If, on the other hand, you've got factoring, or let's probably what well, should be really called sales ledger finance, or or if you're an American accounts receivable finance. So, uh, going back to our example, so let's say that um, go back to our guitar example. So, uh, you sold ten guitars for uh, six hundred units, and then that happened again in the second month. So, at the end of month two, you'll now owe twelve hundred units. If 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 uh, under a factoring agreement, what happens is the uh, the factoring company uh, will turn around and say we'll lend you let's say eighty percent. So if if it's if it's uh, twelve hundred units, you would get nine hundred and sixty units given to you as cash. Okay, so so they would but they would they would need proof of sale like 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 yeah obviously. <laughs> well. Obviously. Well, yeah, to some extent, depends. It depends. It depends on um, the, the the nature of the facility. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, if it wasn't a proper sale, it'd be fraud, wouldn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't you be so, going committing fraud? <laughs> yeah, so banks and finance companies obviously require, um, uh, and, and 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 depends really on, on say on the facility. But um, with large companies, you know, there will be quite a big audits, and they will they will look at things like even you know signed goods received notes and dispatch notes, mm. uh, and really go through the system. So the great beauty of factoring, which is the basic form of sales ledger finance, is it gives you the cash you need now, uh, and what it does is it completely changes the whole uh, cash flow cycle. So if you think about um, our little guitar business, our imaginary guitar business. So let's just imagine that uh, we start up a business, as I say, uh, we're on 60 days, we sell 10 guitars a month one, 10 guitars a month two. By the time we get into month three, we're now owed 1,200 units. Even though you're making, in our in our case, we're making a 50% margin on the guitar because it's costing us half of that, That the effect of that profit isn't going to hit cash until we get into month three. And, and actually, it won't actually have made up the cash flow shortage for quite a few months. Mm. You know, it's going to be a lot, several months, actually, before before you catch up. So um, if we then imagine that your business was growing 100%, so in month two, you're now not selling 10 guitars, you're selling 20 guitars, mm. then what actually happens is, is, and as long as you keep doing that, um, probably in that scenario, the the profit impact is never strong enough to actually catch up mm. because you're growing so fast mm. that you're moving away from it all the time. Yeah. If, however, you'd factored, then the bigger you get, the more money you've got. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Mm. So it's actually, I've got clients that have grown from naught to 35 million. Wow. Because they don't, you know, 
with us the bigger we get the more we're, you know we're probably owed a million pounds mm. seriously mm. Yeah, at this point in time um, obviously if, if I was able to use sales leisure finance I could have maybe a million pounds in the bank mm. Mm. so very very important that you get a financial model that works for you and that people aren't frightened of things like uh, sales leisure finance which really does work and it's a false economy to think it's expensive because um, ultimately cash is king I think I mean that's that's something that um, everyone, every business owner should realise that cash is king. Mm. Wow, very interesting. <laughs> we like to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't heard of factoring before, so that was. It's, it, it still has a bit of a bad press. People on the whole. Um, Why do you think that is? Because um, in the past it was associated with sort of last resort borrowing. I think. Right. Okay. So, so there, there is obviously a, a, a charge. There are a huge, huge percentage uh, on borrowing this money. Then, um, or is- so I don't know. So, probably, um, if you borrowed a hundred units, then over the year, you know, you might have to pay eight units. Mm-hmm. But, but it's my, giving you that ability. But to my point that is, you're taking our guitar business. So, you know, our little, our little struggling guitar business is starting up. It's, it's got to month three, and in our example, it was already minus 60. Mm. Or minus 120, wasn't it? Um, obviously, with factoring, uh, even even with the charges, so there's charges and interest, you get you basically. Right, okay. um, the, the, the positive cash flow effect of having it massively outweighs the cost. Mm. Mm. Um, and then, you know... Uh, of course, you know, the other thing is, you know, if you think about what tends to happen with, with businesses that are, that are sort of out of cash control, they tend to, you tend to go around making bad decisions and you, take, you, know, you tend to waste lots of time mm. you know, doing credit control and all mm. sorts of things. You know, so. so it's a way of kind of taking your mind off, off all of that, like, um, or, or that worry away. Um, in 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 kind of a well, yeah, it's yeah, giving yeah. you that hard cash you need, there to be you, able. If to you don't want to do fail, you need, need to trade cash positively. It's yeah. a basic basic law of business, isn't it? Mm. Far too many businesses just it's like a groundhog day. Mm. You know, they lurch from one year end to another year end. The balance sheet never gets particularly good. You know, that, unfortunately, that's very common. Actually, I wouldn't like to say how I, I would think half of the half of the accounts you look at. Mm. You know, the balance sheet isn't very robust. Mm. Every time you talk to the person, you know they, you know they, they make fifty three thousand pound profit, and then they take fifty one thousand pounds out as their wages or whatever. You know that's the sort of, the sort of that's the sort of scenario. You know. Mm. Mm. So yeah, keep it in keep it in your business for your business to grow. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Well, um, what a remarkably wise man you are, Drew. So is, is it, are we there for today? <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. They covered covered. So a lot before I hand back there. to you, then. Um, so, uh, final track today um, is our second track from our featured artist today, the Dutch band uh, Shocking Blue. Um, fell in love with the Railroad Man. Quite a quirky track. Uh, fantastic guitar in it, I think. Uh, really, really. Uh, I, think a, I think the track was made after um, Shocking Blue, so it's not. It doesn't have the, quite the same sort of '60s feel. I don't mm. think. Uh, I think Drew was particularly impressed with the production on this one. Mm. Uh, really good use of guitars. Um, I, I was a bit nervous. I was interested. I played Carly and uh, drew this track last week, and I wasn't sure how it would go down. And 
They both actually said they loved it. I think Carly said it was... She was adding it to her gym playlist. She actually said it was the epitome of what she wanted to listen to, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Which was very gratifying. So, uh, the final track today, uh, Shocking Blue, Dutch band, uh, fell in love with a railroad man. As I say, uh, I think it's quite obvious here that Maria's uh, Dutch, because there are also some some pretty cheesy lines in this one. (laughs) Uh, it's about the railroad man who, who I think prefers to play with his new train or something. I'm not sure what he should be playing with instead. <laughs> I'll let you guys decide that. Um, one of the things we ought to do one day, perhaps, is to is to come up with um, uh, songs with the cheesiest uh, lines of all time. Just to leave you with a couple. Uh, another piece of apple crumble by ABC. You know that one? Mustn't, must, mustn't complain, mustn't grumble. Help yourself to another piece of apple crumble. Oh. <laughs> Fine line by ABC. Uh, no. Not very good, is it? Uh, there's a, a, a line by Hugh and Cry, which is about helping yourself to a pack of ciggies, which also doesn't particularly float my boat. So, uh, actually, there's, a, there's an awful lot of records that have some uh, really naff lines. The only, good, the only bad thing about this song, as I say, it, 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 when you just, if you do listen to the lyrics properly, uh, they're not the best, I have to oh. say. So... It's more, it's more the vibe and the and, and, vibe. and the vibe that it is the lyrics. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's Mr. Waits leaving you today with uh, shocking blue and leave you in the very capable hands of my young apprentice and protege, Mr. Drew Armstrong. Ah, yes. I'll be able to say sorry as well. I think um, uh, uh, Drew and Callum have a very fine uh, video out on um, YouTube. I think you can see uh, where they are. Um, the Masters of Solitude, is it where you are? The Mystic Bards of Solitude. The Mystic Bards of yes, Solitude. Yes, um, Incredibly, uh, incredibly brilliant uh, track, in my opinion, oh, Mr. Armstrong. Thank you, thank you. Um, so, um, anyway, so do, do check that out as well. And also, um, on YouTube, there's plenty of, a lot of Aspen Wake content building now. Yes. So, yeah, check that out as well. So, um have a really groovy weekend and over to my good friend Mr Armstrong mm. yes have a groovy weekend a groovy week listeners and enjoy the vibes of this song <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next week thank you very much
Let me tell you then why 